morning, church. As you can tell, I'm, I'm, I'm not Randy. Um, <laughs> we're about the same height, so I was saying last service, some people might think we're twins, but there's a little bit, a couple, couple of subtle differences between us. Uh, but <laughs> my name's uh, Rico Patterson, one of the uh, newer pastors here at the church, and I'm excited about the opportunity to uh, share the word. Now, for those of you who know me, you've heard me several times now, you know sometimes I get a, a little excited as I, as I share the word. And so during the last service, I actually lost the mic. And I didn't know it. And so I think Dale was, you know, waving around or something. And, and I thought he was maybe excited about the word or something. I don't know. <laughs> but what they ended up doing, they had to put something on the display. Rico, you lost your mic. <laughs> and so that was the only way I knew that I actually had lost the mic. So for this service, if I lose my mic, I want everyone to go like this or something like that, all right? So that way I'll know ahead of time that, you know, I've lost my mic. Amen. So it's, again, it's just good to be here this morning. Um, 2020's been quite the year, hasn't it? 2020, it looks like it's rolling into uh, 2021. We've had to deal with a pandemic, and I think it's the first one that I've had to deal with in my lifetime. If it occurred when I was, you know, young, I didn't realize it, but, you know, we had to deal with sickness. We've had to deal with stress. We've had to deal with separation. We've had to deal with loneliness. You know, on Fridays, I live fairly close to a food bank in Chesterfield, and the lines are longer than I've ever seen at the food bank. And many people have had to deal with the loss of loved ones. And so, you know, it's been a, it's been a difficult year for many. And then on top of that, we've had the political division that we are all aware of that we've had to go through. And it seems like half the nation is mad at the other half of the nation, and there is no in-between. Earlier this summer, or last summer, we had to deal with the racial tension and the sin of racism reared its ugly head in several instances, so we had to deal with that. And then on, on, on top of all that, you know, it says, I just read where 2020 has been the highest number of mass shootings. I didn't realize that. So the highest number of mass shootings was, was in 2020. And then we saw Lady Gaga's dog walker. I mean, her dog walker was actually killed. I mean, not killed, but shot. Um, walking the dogs. I mean, what is this world coming to? But then, you know, if, if you look at the scriptures, what's amazing, you look at the scriptures, and Randy talked about this as we went through the book of Revelation, it appears if you look at the scriptures that things are going to get even worse. I mean, as bad as things have been this year or last year and, and going into this year, if you believe the scriptures, and, I, and I'm sure we all do believe the scriptures, at some point things are going to get worse. But did you know that even in the midst of all of this, that we can still trust in God? We can still trust in God throughout all we've been through, throughout all that we perhaps will go through. The child of God can still trust in God. And that's what we want to talk about today. So today we're going to be looking at two sets of scriptures for our text. So there's an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture. So let's go, first of all, to the ninth chapter of Second Samuel. Ninth chapter of Second Samuel, and uh, we're going to look at the first seven verses there. And Second Samuel is right after First Samuel, <laughs> right in order there, <laughs> and it's before uh, Kings and Chronicles, and it's kind of the beginning portion of the Old Testament. So Second Chronicles, the ninth chapter, not a not a group of scriptures we look at very often. And we're going to look at the first seven verses there, and there it reads. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. 
And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. So remember this. We're going to turn back to this later during the message. But now let's go to the New Testament scripture, Ephesians, second chapter. And again, we want to look at the first seven verses. So Ephesians is after Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, and then there's Ephesians. If you hit Philippians, Colossians, you've gone too far. Ephesians, the second chapter, and we want to look at the first seven verses there. And there it reads, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or behavior in times past in the lusts of our flesh, in fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, that means made us alive together, with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in this kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, again, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here this morning as, Lord, as we prepare to deliver thy holy and thy most precious and glorious word. The psalmist said that thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the psalmist said, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So, Lord, we know that there is power in your word, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that the power of your word, Lord, would go forth in such a way, Lord, that it makes a difference in our lives, Lord. So, Lord, as I stand here this morning, I just ask for that filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I ask and pray that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine, Lord, but I ask and pray they might be yours. For we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves, but we are here to lift up your name, that wonderful, awesome, magnificent, glorious, and just beautiful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen me, Lord, that you would use me and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our message for this morning is entitled, Just Two Little Words, But God. But God. Now in the beginning of this second chapter of Ephesians, if you look at the first three verses there, 
the scriptures reveal to us that outside of Christ, we are spiritually dead. Outside of Christ, we are controlled by this world. Outside of Christ, we are enslaved by the devil. Outside of Christ, we are under the power of the flesh. And outside of Christ, we are under the wrath of God. And because of our wretched spiritual condition, we don't have the power to save ourselves. We don't have the power to free ourselves. We don't have the power to deliver ourselves. And if the scripture has stopped right there, we would have no hope and we would all be on our way to hell. But thanks be to God, the Lord didn't stop there. For beginning in the fourth verse, in those two little words, we see, but God. And it's been said that those words can be found 43 times in the scriptures. And many times, just like now, they are used to show just what my God can and will do. For example, many of us are familiar with the story of Joseph when Joseph was thrown into the pit to die by his brothers. And many years later, he was placed in a position where he could have got revenge. He was second in command to Pharaoh. But in Genesis 50, 20, he said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. When David was being pursued by Saul, the scripture says that Saul tried to kill him every day. But it says that Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. When the psalmist was talking about his weakness and the fact that he didn't know where to turn and he didn't know what to do. In the 73rd Psalm, he said, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. And now when talking about our spiritual condition and the fact that we are lost and without hope, Paul lets us know, thanks be to God, that that is not the end. For in that fourth verse, it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And that's something we need to always keep in mind. For no matter how bad the situation might be in 2020, in 2021, or going forward, we still have hope because of the mercy, love, and grace of the Almighty God. For God's grace can love the unlovable. God's grace can save the unsavable. God's grace can heal the unhealable. God's grace can cure the uncurable. And God's grace in Jesus Christ has given us everything that we need. And that's why we need to always thank the Lord that the Lord has said, but God. Now, as we look at God's response to our wretched spiritual condition, we see several reasons why the child of God always has hope, but only in him. So today we want to briefly take a look at three of these reasons. First, let's go to Ephesians 2.4 again and look at the first part of that fourth verse. Ephesians 2.4. And there it says, but God who is rich in mercy. All right. So the first thing we see is as it says here, God is rich in mercy. Now, because of our wretched spiritual condition, we deserved to spend eternity in hell for we were unrighteous, we were unholy, we were unclean, and we all deserve to die. For the first man, Adam, represented the entire human race. Therefore, when Adam fell, we all fell. We inherited a sinful nature, and we all deserve to die. 
Now, we don't hear that very often in Christendom or the professing church today. For people like to think or believe that there's some good thing within us. For instance, if you listen to some of the TV evangelists and see their beautiful sanctuaries, one could easily be deceived. For instance, some do not like to refer to people as sinners. Some say Jesus Christ is not the only way to heaven. With some, the entire focus is on positive thinking. And as a result, people flock to these churches because that is exactly what they want to hear. It it, it reaches their tickling ears. But that is not what the Word of God says. Let's Let's go to the third chapter of Romans and see what the Word of God says about man's true spiritual condition. Romans, the third chapter. And we're going to look at uh, verses 10 through 18 there. Romans, sixth book of the New Testament. Romans, the third chapter, start with verse 10. And there it reads, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become, become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, open graveyard. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their tongue, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Aren't we seeing that today? Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the true condition of mankind. And the reason why the Lord reveals this to us is because in order to be saved, we first need to realize what we need to be saved from. And therefore, unlike what some preach and teach, we first need to recognize our lost and sinful condition. But thanks be to God, the Lord doesn't stop there. For after talking about our lost and sinful condition, Our text goes on to say, but God is rich in mercy. And because of God's mercy, we can still be forgiven. For mercy means to withhold a punishment that we deserve. And again, the scriptures clearly teach us that we deserve to go to hell. We deserve to die. We deserve to be under the wrath of God. But thanks be to God, God will show us mercy if we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Titus, the third chapter, verses 5 and 6 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. In other words, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in a spirit of repentance, in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of submission. God's wrath is poured out on his son instead of being poured out upon us. And we can be forever forgiven. Psalms 103.11 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. And that's something we need to always remember, that we have hope. Because of the mercy of God. For God's mercy is full of pity. God's mercy is slow to punish. God's mercy is always ready to pardon. 
Many times, because of our wretched spiritual condition, we feel like we're not good enough for God, that we've done too many bad things in our lives, that God could never forgive a sinner like me. But I thank God, God's mercy is greater than that. For all you've got to do is submit yourselves to the Lord Jesus, repent, be washed in his blood, and you too can receive God's mercy. Amen? And there's nothing like the mercy of God. God's mercy is forgiving. Micah 7.18 says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. God's mercy is plentiful. In other words, there's more than enough. In the 86th Psalm, it says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. God's mercy is eternal. It lasts forevermore. 106th Psalm, it says, Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And God's mercy is great. The 108th Psalm, it says, For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth, thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. That's why God says, don't worry about your past. Don't worry about your mistakes. Don't worry about your sins. Simply repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's always ready to show mercy. In Isaiah, he said, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. And Micah says that thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And in Jeremiah, he said, I will forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. And that's what we've got to always remember. For we all deserve to die. We all deserve to be punished. We all deserve to go to hell. But because of God's mercy, if you are a child of God, you can know you're going to heaven. You know you've been born again. You know that you will forever be with him. That's why the psalmist said in the 136th Psalm, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. We would have no hope except for the mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's why we should thank God, the scriptures say, but God is rich in mercy. Amen? He's rich, overflowing with mercy. All right? Let's go back to Ephesians now, the second chapter. Go back to Ephesians, the second chapter, and let's look at the remainder of that fourth verse. And there it reads, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. All right? So we saw that God is rich in mercy. And the second thing we see is that, but God, ha- but God has great love. But God has great love. So not only is God rich in mercy, but he also has great love for us. And that's another reason why we always have hope. For example, in the uh, fifth chapter of Romans, if you look at those scriptures in the earlier scriptures, it talks about the fact that, you know, Paul says that we are ungodly and that we are without strength. But then in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God, 
commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this lets us know that God's great love for us is not influenced by anything outside of himself. In other words, God does not love us because there's some good within us or because of our love for him. In fact, the scripture says the opposite. We love him because he first loved us. Therefore, there was nothing within us to initially attract him. There was nothing within us to initially draw him. There was nothing within us to prompt his love for us, but he loved us because of his own sovereign will. As Moses told Israel, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, but because the Lord loved you, had the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. And what this tells us, this tells us is that God's love is not because of our goodness. It's not because we are sinless. It's not because we are perfect. Many times people think, I have to be sinless. I have to be perfect in order for God to love me. God's love is not like that. God's love is unconditional. Amen? Unconditional. No conditions placed upon it. He loves us simply because he is God. Therefore, if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is absolutely nothing that can take that love away. And if you want to see God's love, just look at the cross. God the Father's love was shown in that he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son for us. And God the Son's love is shown in that he was willing to die on the cross for our sins. My Lord was a willing sacrifice that could have left the cross at any time. In the 10th chapter of John, he said, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Therefore, we know it was not the power of the nails. It was not the power of the devil. It was not the power of the Pharisees. It was not the power of the Romans that kept our Lord Jesus on the cross. But the scriptures teach it was the power of his love. And that's why all we have to do is accept God's gift, the sacrifice of his only begotten son, in order to forever be in the presence of his love. So many times we feel we're not good enough for God, that we've done too many bad things in our life that God can never forgive a sin-sick wretch like me. But I thank God, God's love is greater than that. For again, God's love is unconditional. He loves us simply because he is God. And if we come to the Lord through Jesus Christ, we can experience and have that everlasting, unconditional love. The love God has for us And the love that we should have for one another in the Greek is called that agape love. That agape love loves others in spite of what they might do to us, in spite of what they might say about us, in spite of how they might treat us, in spite of how they might feel about us. God says, love them anyway. God's love is the love that he wants us to have. And that love is about loving the unlovable and forgiving those around us. For that's how we make a difference in this world. So many times, instead of showing love and forgiving those around us, we hold anger inside. And I think all of us have been guilty of that at times. We hold anger inside. 
And we think as long as I don't say anything, as long as I don't do anything, then it must be okay with God. But that is not what the word of God says. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 26 says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. When we hold anger inside, when we hold on to grudges, when we are unforgiving towards others, all we're doing is letting the devil use us. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ. When he was talked about, he didn't talk about anyone. When he was persecuted, he didn't try to get revenge. When he was hated, he didn't return hatred. But my Lord Jesus loved them, loved me, loved us anyway. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's the love of God. Let's look at an example of the love of God. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. This is often referred to as the love chapter, right after the book of Romans. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And let's see what the love of God looks like. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, I'm going to start with the first verse. And there it reads, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, that, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profited me nothing. Paul went on to say that this love is patient. This love is kind. This love is humble. This love is forgiving. This love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And again, if we want to see this love, just look at the cross. For there we see the love of God and that he was willing to give up his life because of his love for us. And that's why, church, if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, for those online, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for those in Midlothian, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we've got to come to our Lord Jesus while there's still time. Don't worry about your past. God's love can cover it. We all got a past, don't we? We all have a past. Don't worry about your past. God's love can cover it. Don't worry about your mistakes. God's love can cover it. Don't worry about your sins. God's love can cover it. Simply submit yourself to Jesus Christ for God's love covers all. For there's no sin that's too great, no mistake that's so wrong, no crime that's so bad that my Lord Jesus won't forgive if we submit and give our lives to him. For God's love conquered death. God's love conquered sin. God's love conquered Satan. God's love conquered hell. God's love conquered all things. And that's why we should thank the Lord that the Lord has said, but God. Amen? He said, but God. We're all sinners, aren't we? We've all fallen short, but God showed his love towards us despite that fact. And that's why we all should be grateful and thankful that the Lord has said, but God. Amen? All right. Now, let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter, and we're going to wrap it up here. 
Ephesians, again, the second chapter. And let's look at verses uh, 5 through 7. Ephesians, second chapter, verses 5 through 7. And there it reads, Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together. That means made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So we saw that, but God is rich in mercy. We saw, but God has great love. And last but not least, but God has amazing grace. But God has amazing grace. Now, one of the definitions of grace is unmerited favor, to receive something that we didn't deserve. And that's what we have when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. For God has given us a gift that we didn't deserve in his son. John 3.16, we all know that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And that is our only hope, to accept God's gift, the sacrifice of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Many people try to keep the law. They try to be good people. And if they think if they just do good enough, that they can somehow please God. Now, everyone's got a different definition of what good is. But the world thinks if I can just do good enough, if I can just do better than this person, then I can somehow please God. But the world needs to learn that keeping the law And being good is not good enough because God's standard is perfection. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And none of us are able to meet God's standard of perfection. Now, there's nothing wrong with God's law. Nothing at all wrong with God's law. Romans 7.12 says, The law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. But the problem is that we don't have the power and our own strength to keep the law. Therefore, the law sentences us. The law convicts us. The law condemns us. But the law has no power to make us righteous. In Romans 3.20, it says, By the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Therefore, our only hope, and this is the only hope for all of mankind, is that someone mightier than us would meet God's standard and keep the law for us. And we know that the one who did that is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why I love Psalms eighty-nine, nineteen. It says, I I believe this is God the Father talking about God the Son. Psalms 88, 89, 19 says, I have laid help upon one 
that is mighty. And our Lord Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And that's why our only hope is God's grace in Jesus Christ. And a beautiful picture of God's grace can be found in that ninth chapter of 2 Samuel. So let's go, go back to that, what we read earlier. The ninth chapter of 2 Samuel. And believe it or not, in the lives of David and Mephibosheth, David showing kindness to Mephibosheth, I believe, is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ showing grace to the sinner. Now, for those who are online or you might have your iPhones, there's a table in the sermon notes there that's kind of going to summarize what we're going to talk about. So you might want to look at that or look at it uh, after service. But again, in the lives of David and Mephibosheth, David showing kindness to Mephibosheth is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ showing grace to the sinner. Now, first of all, in this story, if you go back in history, in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, we see that Saul and his sons had been killed in battle after pursuing David for many years. And David had now ascended to the throne. Now, according to the custom of that day, it would not have been surprising if David had killed off the remaining family of Saul so that no one from Saul's family would try to recapture the throne. But instead of David removing and killing off the family of Saul, David in his grace asked, is there anyone alive from the family of Saul so I can bless them? Why? Because of the covenant that he made with King Saul's son, Jonathan. So in that first verse of that ninth chapter, David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? It was then told to David that Jonathan had one son, Mephibosheth, who was still alive. So David decided to bless Mephibosheth for Jonathan's sake. Well, did you know the same thing is true for us? For just like Mephibosheth, we were enemies of the king and we could not save ourselves. But God blessed us for the sake of his son. In Ephesians 4.32 says that God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Then if you look at verse 3 in that ninth chapter and take a closer look at Mephibosheth, the outstanding characteristic of Mephibosheth is that he was lame or crippled on both his feet. For when news had reached Saul's family that Saul and his sons had been killed in battle and that David had ascended the throne, Mephibosheth, who was five years old at his time, at the time, and his nurse fled in terror because they thought that they would be the next ones to be killed. Even though David wasn't after them, they were still running for their lives. They were like those in the world where it says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. But then, as they were running, the nurse was carrying five-year-old Mephibosheth in her arms. And as they were running, she fell. And that's how Mephibosheth became a cripple. So Mephibosheth became lame through the fall of another. Well, in the same way, did you know that we were not originally created in our fallen condition? For when the Lord first made man, he said that he was very good. But we became spiritually crippled through the fall of Adam, through the fall of another. Romans 5.12 says, 
Wherefore is by one man, let's talk about Adam. Wherefore is by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And as a result of this fall, Mephibosheth could no longer physically walk. Well, in the same way, because of our spiritual fall, we can no longer walk in the ways of the Lord. Romans, the third chapter we read earlier, says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth and seeketh after God. And then if you go to the fourth verse, it says, the scripture says that Mephibosheth lived in Lodibar. Well, Lodibar means the place of no pasture or the place of no rest. Well, did you know outside of Jesus Christ, we're in the exact same condition? We have no peace and we have no rest. Isaiah 57, 20 says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Therefore, just like Mephibosheth, we were crippled, we could not walk in the ways of the Lord, we had no peace, and we had no rest. Amen? Anybody ever feel like that? You don't have to raise your hand. But that's the exact same condition that we were in. But then think about it. David then took the initiative and reaching out to Mephibosheth. There was nothing Mephibosheth did. There was nothing that he said. There was no reason why he deserved to be blessed by David. In fact, he was hiding because he thought that David was after his life. But David sent for him and blessed him for Jonathan's sake. Well, again, in the exact same way, it is not the sinner who first seeks God, but it's God in his grace who first chooses the sinner. And whether we realize it or not, that is the definition of grace. Just like Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth means a shameful thing. We are also a shameful thing. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But nevertheless, God chose us and saved us for Christ's sake. Just like Mephibosheth. God chose us and saved us for Christ's sake. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, not because of what I have done, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And then if you go to verse 7 in that same chapter, in that same text, we see that, Not only did David send for Mephibosheth, but then he also blessed him by restoring to him all the land of Saul, his grandfather, and by giving him a permanent seat at the king's table. And notice when he was sitting at the king's table, no one could tell he was lame anymore because his crippled feet were covered. Well, in the same way, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God restores to us our lost inheritance, and even more. 1 Peter 1.4 says, We have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. We can always come into the king's presence. Just like Mephibosheth, we have a permanent seat at the king's table. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And our sins or our crippled feet are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now when Mephibosheth realized all that David had done for him, he bowed down, and in verse 8 he said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? In other words, what did I, a filthy, wretched sinner, do to deserve all these blessings? And church, that's the same thoughts we have when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Well, I don't know about you, I know I did nothing to deserve God's blessings. But it's simply God's grace in Jesus Christ. Nothing I did to earn it. Nothing I did to deserve it. But God's grace in Jesus Christ will give us everything that we need. Do you believe that? God's grace in Jesus Christ will give you everything that you need. Because of his grace, we know that we are saved. Acts 15.11 says, we believe that through the grace of Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Because of God's grace, the child of God will never, ever, ever be lost. Our, Our Lord Jesus said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Because of God's grace, we can always make it, no matter what you might have to go through. We're going to go through difficult times, 2020, 2021, and in the time to come. But the child of God can make it through anything we might have to go through. How do we know that? Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And because of God's grace, the child of God is always victorious. It might not look like it sometimes, but the child of God is always victorious. Paul said, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I love what that old songwriter said, that hymn, Amazing Grace Church. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, church, but now I'm found. Was blind, yes, church, was blind, but now I see. Amen. We might have to go through COVID-19, but I'm here to tell you, but God. We may have to experience the loss of a loved one, but I'm here to tell you, but God. We may have problems in the family, problems in the home, but I'm here to tell you, but God. No matter what you might have to go through, always, always, always remember that the Lord has said, but God. Amen? Amen. He's worthy, isn't he? He's worthy, but God. Amen. Amen. Now, there might be one who doesn't have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you want to know more about the one who has said, but God. Well, again, for those in the sanctuary, if you go through those center doors and if you go to that table in the back of the vestibule, there's some saints there who can, who can share with you what it means to have a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can experience the love, the grace, and the mercy of the one who has said, but God. In addition, if you want to become baptized, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you want to be baptized, or you want to become a member of this church, again, go through those same center doors, go to that table in the back, 
and the saints there can give you additional information on, on how to become a member of this church or be baptized. But saints, the main thing that I hope that you take away from this is that God has loving arms for us. Amen? He has loving arms for us. His love is unconditional. And therefore, no matter what you might have to go through, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can always trust in the fact that the Lord has said, but God. Amen? Amen. All right, be blessed. Have a good week. Amen.